So I am in Ephesians chapter 5. So you can find that in your Bibles. There's a Bible in the pew. We'll also have the NIV translation on the screens as I read it in just a moment. Looks like blue skies out there. Is it quit raining? It was supposed to be 60% right now. But I've already had more than 66 inches at my house since May 1st. Yes, I poured it out myself. 66 inches. That's our annual rainfall average. And it has rained, I think, every Sunday since May 1st, or almost. Am I right, Trey? Almost every Sunday. Trey is responsible for saying I'm right. If I look to him, he's responsible for that. All right. So we're going to read beginning in verse 15. I love this text. I hope that you will develop a love for it if you don't have a love for it already. Where the scripture says in Ephesians 5:15, "Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make melody, make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there you have it. Aunt Betty died at 92 almost, Janet's sweet aunt. Her life verse was Proverbs eleven fourteen. I learned at the funeral this week. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That was her life verse, okay? Now, I have two verses I use a lot. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, okay? So those are two life verses. How many of you have a life verse? Okay. So you got a verse that you kind of depend on. It comes back around in your mind. It's great. If you don't have one, you may need one. Just... Find one, memorize it, so it's just right close to you if you need it. You can just say it. Lord, all things work together for good. You're going to need that. You're going to need that. All right? They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You're going to need that. How many of you have a life song? Does anybody have a life song? I mean, I have a life song. I wrote the song when I was 16. I've mentioned it to you before. I want my life to count for Jesus. My brothers and I sang it, and we even recorded it. I think we sang it in over a thousand places. So we sang it a lot, and it's my life song. And several of you have a life song, okay? So I want to set this paragraph, the whole paragraph, in the context of music. And maybe we should say your music, because you've got a music probably, even if you don't sing, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, okay? You still have a music. Most of us have a music that we love, that we enjoy. Not everybody, but most everybody does. And I want us to visit that uh, as we go through this text. Now, I've been saying 
This is how we walk, and he uses the phrase about walking again. He uses the word for walk in this text. So this is how we roll. This is how we do things as followers of Jesus. And he is hinging this paragraph on the previous paragraphs that he has written, and he's talking to us about how we roll in the world, how we do this. Now, I want you to maximize the life God's given you and to really understand His will for you. So, here's some things to remember, okay? There's five of them. And the first one is making the most. This is how we roll. Making the most. Making the most of every opportunity. There's a dimension of discipline in that. There's perseverance. There's courage. Make the most of every opportunity, the Apostle Paul says. Be careful how you live. He starts out with, be careful how you live. Watch out how you live. Don't live just any old way. Don't follow anybody else's example without thinking about it. Don't join with the crowd when they want you to join in and participate in whatever they're doing without really thinking about it. Be careful how you live. He wants you to think about it. This is how we roll. We're careful. We think about our behavior, our words, where we go, what we do, and whom we do it with. We're careful about this. Be careful how you live then. Don't be unwise, but wise. He puts that in there because wisdom is directly connected to God in the Bible. It's not just about you having information or you being smart or an intellectual. It's about you fearing the Lord, the The proverb says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, wisdom begins in honoring God. And that ought to be the focus of every believer's heart and walk. So, you can't be careful how you live if you don't have a focus. You discipline yourself around this focus. Not being unwise, but being wise. And with this focus, then, you pass through your days, and you're watching for the opportunities God gives you. Make the most of every opportunity. That used to, in the old Bible, it's translated redeeming the time, and the word time is in there. That's because the Greek word kairos is usually translated time, but it is the fitting time, the proper time, the redeeming time. It's that kind of time. It's not calendar time or watch time. That's the word chronos, okay? Chronos is the Greek word for calendar time, for the seconds that pass. But kairos is the word for the proper time. So there are things that come your way every day. You have an opportunity, an opportune moment in which to demonstrate your love for God, your love for people, your allegiance to Jesus as Lord, the importance of the good news of Jesus Christ in your life. Make the most of every opportunity. Watch for them. In the circumstances of your life, you're going to see these opportunities. The windows will open. In the conversations you have with the people that you're interacting with, somebody at work or somebody at school this week is going to be distressed. And they may come to you or you may have an opening to just say to them, say, I want you to know I heard what had happened with your family. I'm just praying for you. Or the accident or whatever. Just make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how you do it. Be careful what you say. 
but express the love of Jesus as these opportunities come your way to connect to people and to use the circumstances of life to honor God. Now, if your world is like my world, you look out the world and you see a lot of evil in the world. And the apostle says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That's what he says. So you could look out and say, yeah, there's a lot of evil in the world. The days are evil. And some of us use that as an excuse for doing nothing. We say, what difference does it make in this kind of world, whether I do good or not, the world is a terrible place and it's way too big for me to have an impact, so I'm going to do nothing and you become the person that that famous quip is about. The only thing that is necessary for evil to overcome is for good people to do nothing. So the apostle who lived in a world just as wicked as yours who observed the wickedness and evil in the world, said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, seeing the wickedness in the world, seeing the evil in the world, is not an excuse for you to sit on your hands or to just moan and groan about the condition of the world, which many of us are prone to do without actually jumping in there and saying, I'm going to do something about the problem that I see, the need that I see in my world. If you make the most of every opportunity and you observe that there are bad things happening, then what you do is you jump in there and do something good. Jesus saw the evil in the world better than you. The devil fought him face to face. The demons fought him everywhere he turned. He knew the wickedness in the world. Wicked systems. A government that eventually executed him without cause. A religious system that abandoned him and actually put him up to die. Jesus saw the evil in the world. But when you ask someone about Jesus, they would say something like this. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. That's his reputation. That's how Jesus rolled in this wicked old world. Knowing the evil better than you do, he just went everywhere doing good and helping everybody that was oppressed by the evil in the world. Everything that he could, he did. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Make the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Move up higher. That's the second thing. Move up higher. See the world from a higher point of view. Sometimes we get so caught up in the stuff, the muck and the mire, that we can't really maintain God's perspective, the heavenly perspective in the world. Stop living so low. Do not be foolish. That's the fool's way, living that low. 
The fool does not imitate God, but imitates the devil who rebelled against God, who is the liar from the beginning. When we lie, when we live low, we're not imitating God. The fool does not seek to please God, but only himself. The fool does not see God's purpose in the world. He sees the world maybe as purposeless. The fool does not understand God's purpose for his own life. He is living the life of despair and dissipation. Move up higher. Don't be unwise, but wise. Don't live foolishly. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Maintain a heavenly perspective. Get up above your current emotions. Seek the perspective of God on our world. Learn His purpose clearly for you. Do you know God's purpose for you? You know why you're here? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever distilled it into a sentence? It's your homework. Your homework is to go home and this afternoon think about the sentence that summarizes the purpose of your life. It ought to be crystal clear in your mind and heart. Clear enough for you to write down and say, this is my purpose. This is why I exist. Why I'm walking around breathing in this world. How will you ever get done what God intends for you to get done if you have not clarified your purpose in the world? It is fundamental. Understanding the will of God for you. Why you are here. Move up higher. Philippians 3.19 says of the enemies of God, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. The Apostle Paul says again in Colossians, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That's what I mean by move up higher. Start seeing your life from the perspective of God's purpose. Start seeing yourself as a child of God, beloved of Him, dearly loved as one of God's holy people. Crystallize the purpose for which God made you and saved you in your life and use the discipline that has to come with the Spirit at work in you to make the most of every opportunity and see the world from God's activity. Jesus said, my Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. My Father's always at work to this very day. He's at work in my life. Move up higher. This is how we roll. Being filled with the Spirit, not drunk with wine. There's a big word here, debauchery. How many of you used the, that word this last week? Nobody used debauchery last week? I mean, it is kind of a big word, a little bit hard. To, it's the word for excess, okay? It's just excessive behavior. It's the word that is used to describe the son who said to the father, 
I want everything that's mine. And when the dad gave him everything that was his, he left and he spent it all. He just ran through the money and everything his dad gave him until he was feeding hogs in a hog farm as a Jew. And the scripture says he came to his senses and said, my father's servants live better than this. I'm going to go home and ask him for a job. That's the prodigal son. See, don't be drunk with wine. That leads to the prodigal. Okay? And the word is both excessive and also wasteful. It is dissipation. Sometimes it's translated that way. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Understand what God's will is. Describe and refine your purpose in, that, in the will of God. And don't take these escape hatches that so many people are using, like alcohol and opioids. We've got an opioid epidemic in this country. Are you aware of that? People are abusing prescription drugs. They're becoming addicted to them. Death by opioid overdoses is at an all-time high. It's so dramatically high in some places, it's 50% higher than it was just a year or two ago, overdoses with these opioids. When he says, don't get drunk with wine, I think that includes an instruction about all these intoxicants by which we seek to escape life's responsibilities and conflicts and difficulties. We just feel better. We want the high. We want the buzz. If you drink in order to get the buzz, you're breaking this word. Don't get drunk with wine. That's as simple as it can be. That truth is everywhere in the Scripture. If you're using opioids, you need to repent and get rid of those pills that are Bending your mind and dissipating your life. It leads to dissipation. It leads to excess. You say, well, I don't know how I'll do without them. Well, you can be filled with the Spirit instead of with wine. How about that? I know we don't need to have a vacuum in our life. The answer is not just say no. The answer is say yes to the Spirit of God who desires to walk with you and use you and live in you. Be not drunk with wine wherein there is excess and dissipation, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And it's not really a suggestion at all. It's in the imperative. It's a command. You are to be filled with the Spirit as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Are you assuming that just automatically happens? The Bible says that being filled with the Spirit is a repeated event. We are to be continuously being filled with the Spirit. The truth is all of us leak. All right? We're not perpetually filled with the Spirit. But there are grand opportunities for you to ask God to fill you. So when you get to that classroom on Monday morning and you're about to step in there and be the instructor... You say, Lord, I need you today. I want to make the most of every opportunity. 
I pray that you will fill me with your spirit for this task I have to do. You say, well, isn't that a violation of church and state? No! That's not a violation of church and state. That's who you are. So you pray that you'll be filled with the Spirit before you go in that classroom, that you'll be filled with the Spirit before you walk into that office suite. Pray, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Because sometimes I have to pray that. I pray this prayer a lot on the front row, okay? I'm sitting here about to deliver the word. I know I can't do it in my own strength. I look at my life and say, what a mess you are, Crosby! And God graciously forgives me while I'm sitting there. And I pray, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. And I just believe he does it because he commanded me to. And so I ask him to fill me with his Spirit. And I think it's a routine that every believer should exercise. So that when you get ready to go into that workshop or whatever that place is, that hospital where you work, you're saying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today. Because I want to make the most of every opportunity. I want to be moving up higher in my view of the world and my friends and things around me. I want to be filled with your spirit. There is an alternative, you see. You don't have to live popping pills and alcohol, doing whatever it does for you. You don't have to live that way. There's an alternative. You can be filled with the spirit. So I challenge you. Don't be drunk with wine. Put it aside. It's a crisis, you know. I mention it because it's a crisis. And I know that you have people in your family that are dealing with opioids and alcohol. We see it in the foster children. And it's, it's breaking my heart to see these children that are born with these drugs in their bodies. My sister adopted a child like this. They named her Selah. She lived 18 months and died. You don't want to stand before God one day and be responsible for that. The safest place on planet Earth ought to be the womb of a mother you make sure that it's a safe place for that life that grows inside of you so many of the foster children are coming into the system now because both parents are addicted don't be drunk with wine you don't need that What you must have is a spirit of God filling you and living through you. And you can have that as a child of God. It is your inheritance to have the Holy Spirit at work in you. And God can do it in you. If you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can say no to the things that destroy your life and yes to the things that build it up. This is how we roll. Not with chemicals that warp our minds but with the spirit of God who doesn't slur our speech he clarifies it who doesn't wobble our walk he straightens us out you see what he's saying be filled with the spirit and speak to one another I like this phrase speaking to one another 
in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Did you catch that? Speaking to one another. You thought you were just singing the song to God. But when you're in this group, you're also singing for the friend beside you or the child beside you or the stranger beside you. You're also singing for them. Because it says speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Even hymns which are directed to God. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour, I need thee. That's a hymn directed to God, talking to God. Even that song, your wife can hear when you sing. Or your husband can hear, your child can hear. We speak to one another with our song. I was on the front row uh, Thursday because I was a pallbearer. And Aunt Betty wanted some hymns of the faith sung. So we sang, we sang, Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And we were singing and this man behind me, on the row behind me, was just opening up. And he was letting her fly. He was just singing like he meant every word. And he sang that way. And I just thought, man, that speaks to me. I sang louder. I wanted to, I wanted to sing because I heard him singing. He was speaking to me with his hymn, with his song, with his song. I don't know if Paul was a great vocalist. I kind of doubt it. Maybe he was. But he's the one that wrote this, you know. The Apostle Paul wrote this, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Does it surprise you that it's in there? I mean, we only have Jesus singing one hymn in all of the Bible. You know where he sang it? The upper room. Right before he went out and was betrayed and executed, they sang a hymn together. In fact, the life of Jesus was bracketed by the angelic chorus that announced his birth as they sang in the field at Bethlehem and the hymn that those 12 guys sang with Jesus before they went out to be arrested. Does it surprise you that Paul said, speak to one another? I wonder if that's what he was doing in the jail in Philippi. You think it was Paul that started the song or Silas? You think they sang it in harmony, or did it matter? Who took lead? Who sang alto? We don't know. We just know that Paul and Silas broke out in song at midnight after they'd been nearly beat to death. And God heard the song, as well as the jailer and everybody else. God sent his earthquake angel, shook the place up, all the chains fell off, everything changed. After Paul and Silas sang their song. Yeah. I mean, he concludes this saying, at all ways, at all times, in all situations, give thanks. Give thanks for everything. So Paul and Silas just opened up and let her go. And they spoke to one another, encouraged each other, just like you do, when your kids overhear you singing, it's impressive to them. You say, well, I don't have a great voice. My father gave me a gift. <laughs> At 11 years old, he said, David, you're going to sing bass. And I told him, I can't sing. And my father gave me a gift at that moment. He said, yes, you are. You can and you are. So... 
the 11-year-old that couldn't sing had to sing. And Dad taught me how to sing bass when I was 11. And I sang it an octave higher. Deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus, daily let me go. Higher, higher in the shield of wisdom, more of grace to know. That's how I sang it. It was a great gift. Because music worked its way into my soul. See, you speak to one another with these psalms. That's from the Psalter. And these hymns that are directed to God. And these spiritual songs like the song I wrote when I was 16 that became my life song. I want my life to count for Jesus. You speak to one another with these songs. And with these songs, you make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, the band has a prayer time at 7.15 on every Sunday morning. And I told them this morning, I said, now... The music we make, we're going to have to make it in our heart. I know you can do it with your fingers. I know you can do it with this voice box. But you've got to make it in your heart first. It's got to be made in your heart. If you bring an offering of praise to the Lord, it's got to come from your heart. Jesus always was more concerned about the heart than anything. God looks on the outward appearance. Uh, man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And Jesus could see the heart. Make music in your heart. You hear that? Those of you who just cannot sing, this is not about your vocal cords. It's not about your mouth. Make music in your heart to the Lord. Now, you've got to vocalize it if you're going to speak to one another like it says in this verse. But you speak to one another with a music that is made in the heart, and that is an offering unto God that is pleasing to him. Making music. You are gifted to do this. It's a wonderful thing. One philosopher said that music is the most purely human invention on earth. I don't know that I agree with that because the angels sang and it sounds like heaven has a soundtrack to me. But I do agree that music is intensely personal and it's very personal. And the spiritual song is the song that is required for every generation. Every generation has got to write its song. If they can't write a song about Jesus and the good news and salvation which he brought, they either don't believe it or they don't understand it. But if they both understand and believe the good news that is in Jesus, it is responsible for them to write a song. So every generation is writing its song, and that's a good thing. That's the spiritual song. And we own it. It's ours. And when we write it, sometimes we copyright it because it's so much us. We want to protect it. The song takes everything that is within you. You can whisper to your wife in church, but if you open your mouth and sing, you've got to compress this diaphragm and force out the air. And when you're done singing, you may be a little out of breath because it takes some energy to sing. It was the grief of my dad as he approached his death that he could not sing. 
He had congestive heart failure and he'd sung all his life. He sang to us and he made sure that we heard. He sang to his churches, even as he preached to them. But he got so weak, his heart got so weak, that he could sit in a chair and deliver a sermon. But he could not sing. He had, though, a song in his heart to the Lord. And as he was dying, his children gathered around the bed and we sang. And sang and sang together. We surrounded him with song right up into heaven. This is how we roll. We speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is how we roll. We make melody. We make music in our heart to the Lord. And there's something about making the music in every situation, whatever it is, whatever's happened, I open my mouth and I sing. I rehearse in my heart the good news of Christ. I remember the psalms that I was taught. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where's that come from? It's come right out of the Psalter. I remember these things. They feed my soul. You may be thinking, I don't know how to give thanks in every situation and circumstance. When Jesus was facing his execution and he had his friends around him, they sang a hymn. There's a hymn for you to sing when you've lost your mother or you've been given a terrible diagnosis or it feels like life has come unglued or your spouse wants a divorce or your child ends up in jail there's a hymn for you to sing and yes you can sing when things are going well and it feels like all's right with the world. But the song that even more pleases the Father is the song you sing when life seems to have fallen apart. And you can lift your voice in song and say, Thank you, God. For your mighty gift in Jesus. And even though I see the trouble in the world, I raise my voice to sing of him. Knowing even in the middle of my trouble that he is the way and the truth and the life. And he is the way to the Father. I'm just traveling through here. I'm walking like the apostle says. I want my walk to please the Lord. I want to understand his will. I want to make the most of every opportunity. But I'm on a journey. And where am I headed? I'm headed to the Father's house. My ultimate destination is the Father's house. In this world, I often feel displaced. I feel like I'm really not home. So many people feel displaced in the world and they do not have a sense of being home. Your walk 
It's taking you to the Father's house. So you keep your eyes on him. You fix your eyes forward. And you walk in a way that honors him. Because ultimately, you're coming to the Father's house. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Your permanent address as a believer is the Father's house. And everything you do, you remember who you are as his child and where you are headed and you walk that way. Bow with me, please. As we bow in the presence of the living God, he knows it all. Brothers and sisters, he knows it all. And this is how we do the Christian life. We do it carefully, thoughtfully, with wisdom. We make the most of every opportunity. We keep our mind on heaven and heavenly things. We seek to be full of his spirit. We speak to one another with song. And we make melody in our heart to the Lord. Always grateful in all things. Father in heaven, thank you that we are secure in you. That we need not fear because you have us in your hand. Thank you that we are your beloved children, your holy people. Set aside to be your special possession. God, we pray that you would help us deal with the things that come our way in life. Knowing that though there is evil in the world, you have given us a wonderful gospel to share, a mighty salvation to treasure, the presence of the Holy Spirit every step of our way. Forgive us where we falter. Thank you for the grace that overflows. Draw us close to you. Straighten our back. Straighten our walk. Clarify our speech. That we might honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.